This person has made a big impact on our life. Have really learned a lot from her. All right, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> no, we've had our own little counseling in this whole thing. This has been quite the counseling session. <laughs> I hope you've learned a lot. We've definitely benefited from this. <laughs> you we. Did you see that? Yeah, uh, and I just said we. Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we're in our last season, and we have a great, 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 great couple friends joining us today. Yes. But before we do that, I feel like we need to talk about parking. What? And I don't mean, hey, and I don't mean making out, if you know what I mean. This is, we, I, we had to shift up where we're recording today. We had to come home. I came home midday, and thankfully, uh, my friend Kayla was with she pulled up at the same time as me and she made, she gave me the big eyes look like, Oh my goodness. About what? About your parking. In I our was driveway. just home by myself doing laundry. We have a 75 foot long, <laughs> easily, maybe longer driveway, but it's a single car driveway. Andre has this amazing ability to park as close as possible to the street. So no one else can use the driveway. Well, to be fair, yeah. you were not supposed to come home. I was supposed to do my laundry, do my things, right. and then come to you. Okay. So I just parked, like, not thinking because Obviously I was going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Why you got to throw me under the so bus? It's really easy. We're just going to put this on the internet so we can always refer back to it. In general, you don't have to go to the furthest part in the driveway, but as long as you're even with the house. Then we're good to go. And if you're listening, friends, friends, I need a line, friends on the internet today. We all have these little things, right? These little glimpses of potential trauma. What that exists in our lives? I think that's trauma that has caused extreme challenges. That would just be like a trigger, or maybe that that would be like a little thing that just bothers you. Just like little. It's just little. Yeah, I think we need to create... Super, like, not a big deal. Here's the deal. (laughs) I think that, in general, in marriage, this should be a written rule as part of your... uh, What do you call it when you get married? Your vows. vows, Your vows. We can amend the vows. Oh, amend. Amend the vows to include some things, because I'm sure I do some things... exclude some things, too? No, but (laughs) I don't know. Maybe amend the vows for some things we've learned over time that it's like, you know, you just need to change this. And again, I know that there's things about me. Oh, do you? It's funny how we don't seem to end up talking about those things well, <laughs> live on the show. Maybe you because... definitely continually bring up my things Maybe because I've grown so much, it doesn't come out as much. <laughs> right. No, and if I were to amend our vows, it would say, in sickness and in health... And when I park the car to at least be even with the house and I can only have 47 plants in the house. Okay. With limited plants. So it's on the internet. I've, I've put my case out there. Meanwhile, my car is halfway in the driveway and halfway in the street. So hopefully, Good thing hopefully there's no such thing as we amended don't hear vows. a big crash during this interview. Because you're in the street. Well, let's get right to our interview. Now that we got all this out in the open, we have really cool people joining us for an interview today, right? Yes, our favorite friends. This is Nate and Tuweri. So Tuweri is my coworker. She's our director of operations at Plywood. Nate, I mean, how do you introduce this guy? He is a songwriter, a producer, a fashion icon. Uh, easy, easy. He's going to hear this. Don't give him too much. What? Uh, he actually, he does. He, they're both really well dressed people beyond what we could ever fathom. They always look good. Yeah. Nay and Tuary Butler, you're going to learn so much from them. You're going to have a ton of fun because we had fun. So let's just get right to it. Here is Nate and Tuary Butler. Let's take it back to Spelman College for a minute. There we go. How did we begin? How did the two of you fall in 
love. Oh, we don't have enough time no, for that story. We don't have enough time for that story. But <laughs> Maybe that's... the abridged version. I don't even know if there's an abridged version. Okay, basically, the first time I met her, I met her with a group of friends, but I started dating her friend. Her friend wasn't that, oh, never mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> she gave the love. She's like, it, don't it start with it that. It didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. Then after that, we went on a date. I saw her out. We went on a date. My sophomore year, I had on blue jeans, these like brown oh, nine west tell us shoes. What she looked like this blue gap denim shirt, and then I had like an Apple Boy, Page Boy hat on. I just look fresh. The whole outfit, she's got it all. And what happened when you were looking so fly? Was that the that was the that she had on for the date? That was for the date that we went to go see the professional. Yeah, we went to go see this with movie. Natalie Portman. And a French actor. Oh, Jean something. Jean. <laughs> How long was they trying to get with you? Let's be honest. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's a whole story. Like, we, this could be a Tyler Perry movie. Like, yeah, real talk. It, it could be. Tyler, holler at us. Anyway, but it wasn't like instant. And it was just, there were several moments where we kept coming together, kept having these interactions. And then it just grew over time because we became really good yeah, friends. Yeah, like really good friends. Like After the date didn't work out yeah, because the, I found out he had a girlfriend. And then I found out you was engaged. Oh, wow. wow. That was like a double whammy. <laughs> that was Not a like, double whammy. <laughs> I found out I didn't he care, had a girlfriend. I didn't care that she was I engaged. Like, to was me, a... like, you wasn't married, so I didn't care. Like, it didn't like, matter to me. Wow. You Clearly, you see what happened in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> He totally disrespected my my fiance at the time on campus. It was a whole scene. Yeah. Uh, I was on Morehouse's campus doing yearbook pictures, and uh, I was at the time I was president of the Pre Law Society, which was shared between Spelman and Morehouse and Clark. And I was on Morehouse's campus taking pictures. My fiance and his crew were there waiting for me to finish. Nate like literally wedges himself in between me and my fiance. Puts his back to my fiance. And his boys. And his boys and was like, you know, doing the whole New York hand clap. Like, yo, when you going to leave him and get with me? This oh, literally is a Tyler Perry movie. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's just, that's that's not even scratching the surface. I no. had my back turned. I was like, those, I was talking to her like, no, seriously, when you going to leave this cornball? You already know what it is. Like him, like, and I just started talking crazy. And then she's like, oh my God, you make me so mad. I'm so mad at you. Oh. So wait, and, were you really mad or actually were you attracted? It was both. It was both. A little bit of both. Let me I tell you. To be honest now, it was both. But yeah. you know, I, I like to, I'm going for it. So I'm like, you're asshole right and you're like looking at him and you're like this is inappropriate and you're thinking that back in your head and you're probably also thinking she's, she's like, turned on like, <laughs> let me tell you why let me tell you why i don't know because he didn't do anything or his boys oh he just stood there he i needed i just needed to show her who what he was made of so she could see what i was made of see we different i'm cut from something different <laughs> all right so speaking of different you you two are different. Very. Very, very, very. Like that, very. Sorry, that's too easy of a segue. But different personalities. How have you figured that out? Opposites apparently attract. How have you figured out life given the differences that you each have? I think for both of us, one thing we are, uh, we do share commonality with is our passion. Whether it's for people, for our work, for our mission, um, just to love on people that that's something that we both share but everything else is very much different like how we how we go about that we try to be on one accord but like she said everything else is different so what are the differences just for people that don't know you i'm loud really <laughs> nobody reserved. picked up on that yet <laughs> but low key she loud too like at the crib man she is loud and people that know her tuary is rambunctious she dances in spaces she's not like she tuary <laughs> Let me, guys, we aren't really that different. She just tries to act like she's different. I'm she appropriate. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm appropriate she's when it's culturally appropriate yes. to where she yes. is. For where I am at the time. So, you know, at work, I'm work tuary. At home, I'm crunk tuary. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's just different. I, and I, Nate is the I'm same. I'm comfortable with who I am. Everywhere I go. I'm comfortable with work, Tori. You are. You are. Tori has definitely like compartmentalized so yeah, many different like personalities. She has multiple personalities. <laughs> 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 
No, but now you, you're going to diagnose her. But you know that. what? I'm going to tell you. This is what I... <laughs> hey, hey, I'm going to step in and say, and you're a distraction in general, right? Is that fair? Just in life in general. Yeah, so. But my distractions bring about action. <laughs> they bring yeah. about something. Yeah. But, but I can tell you, uh, I think oh, that um, it was the time that we had learning each other when we were friends. Because Toure and I didn't learn each other when we were dating. We were friends for five years and really close friends. So a lot of the like arguments, the I can't stand you, da 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 like a lot of that happened when we were friends. And I got a chance to learn a lot about her when I knew all her boyfriends. She knew all my girlfriends. We had a lot of time to talk about how we felt about relationships and how we were dealing with other people. Then we would give each other advice and- Or judge those relationships or, that we were in. Right. Or judge each other. Yeah. You know, so we- <laughs> and, and to Nate's point, I mean, because we were friends and we, we didn't enter this relationship dating first, we were brutally honest with <laughs> each other. I mean, so much so Because you felt like you had the freedom to because right. there's nothing- Right. No pressure. It was no, no skin in the game. No. I mean, I wasn't concerned about hurting his feelings and- him not loving me anymore because I was like, I don't care. Like, this is foul or I don't agree with this. And he would do- Foul? <laughs> well, yeah. Or he would do the same yeah, with me, you know, like calling me out on things. And really, he has no fear in pushing the boundaries when it comes to talking to me about the things that he sees down the line for me or where I'm going in a wrong direction. We were just so- brutally honest. We didn't have to put on airs because we were trying to get the other person to be like, oh, I want to be with this person forever. That that wasn't even yeah. a conversation that we were talking about. Which is time. so crazy because when I think about it, it makes me think like why all of a sudden do people put so much pressure on themselves when they come out of that friend zone mm-hmm. and they don't carry the same type of like um, honesty, communication mm-hmm. skills, in that space, because it's like, no, you actually, we actually fell for each other because of what we did outside in the friend zone yeah. and it should just enhance. And so I think basically we try to continue to keep that honesty. But however, when we were really honest, when we were friends, we went home to different places yeah. and we couldn't, and we didn't have to talk to each other for two or three days or four days if we didn't want to. Sure. Right. So there is a difference. Right. There is. So, yeah. Right. So the honesty now is like, all right, you got to sit in it. And now what are we going to do? We just going to be mad. We're going to go eat. We're going to talk about it. What are we going to do? Is that, hang on. Is that been recent? Oh, that's every day. That's every okay, day. Okay. Every day. So to step back again, back to the original question to where you would be more introverted, right? Nate, you'd obviously very extroverted. How have you guys dealt? Because I'm thinking about listeners. There's right. definitely relationships that have that. So how have you come to appreciate that or work together in that related to that difference? Um, you know, it's, it's funny because it's weird. I'm actually extra introverted. Like I am both. Most people would think that be- he's on all the time or that he welcomes the the noise. Not, I don't want to say yeah, noise. That's but, good. That's good. Yeah. Welcomes the noise all the time, but really at home, He's a little bit more reserved than you would think. You know, like sometimes I literally, I will do the most insane thing of getting in front of him and being like, just pay attention, like do something. And he's like, dude, I'm, I'm chilling. So he can chill really hard. And I'm not used to that because it's kind of confusing almost because out in public spaces, he's always engaging. Whereas for me, I am, I'm engaging to the point of I'm great one-on-one. I can speak in front of a crowd. I can speak in front of groups and be amongst groups, but that really is draining for me. I have to have time, not draining that I don't want to do it, but draining where I have to have time to fill myself back up, whereas that gives him life. But he does have some introverted qualities a- about him. But if you put this on paper, you would definitely say mm-hmm. he is the extrovert. I am 
the introvert. And I think what we do is we really try to push each other. So Tori will try to push me to, the one thing that she's done for me is, which I really love, is her allowing me to be able to spot people, like really spot people. So when I, I mean, we, she started talking to me about this when we were in college. She was like, Nate, look, you walk into a space, just honestly, she said, Nate, people see you. And she was like, the key is, is that will you see everyone? And so that was, we learned earlier on. And and so just that alone helped everything. That changed everything for me. Because now when I walk into spaces, I'm always going to make sure that I know who that person is, who they are, what they do, that they're seen and they're appreciated. And most of the time I'll go into spaces and I won't even tell people regard like what I do unless they ask. And people have been like, what? You do what? I just thought you was just this like guy. I'm just like, oh, well, you, that wasn't important. What was important was like, how, how are you doing? What's your name? And she was the one that helped, uh, the best way to put it is- Hone def- that. Yeah, hone that in to where that extrovertness power in to where it could be the life of the party, but it's not about, it's not all about you. And that's something you have to grow and mature into anyone that actually has that type of, I guess, quality. You know, you really have to grow into that and mature into that because it can be a superpower to where you can go in and you can uplift the room, but you want to make sure you uplift the room, not for yourself, but for everybody else. And so that's how she was able to kind of calm the storm. And in that calming the storm, that built trust. So now I'm like, okay, well, I'm listening to what you're saying. Has he stretched you? Made you more like stepping out of your comfort zone? Every, or made- every day. Yeah. yeah. It's yes. just a constant. It, it is a constant. I mean, one, Nate is not afraid of conflict. And he's not afraid of confrontation. He is the ultimate, let's get down to the, I mean, from day one of college since I met him he's always been like let's let's talk about the root of this you know he wants to get down to the like to the bottom of why did you react that way why did you say the things that you do which for me as an only child I had conversations with my mom my dad and then I go to my room and have it with myself like you know what I'm saying I'm processing internally I am not a external external communicator or a processor so that was really like one of the points of tension in our marriage where it's been an ebb and flow where he's just like feeling like, oh my God, it's like talking to you is trying to pull teeth where I've processed everything internally and I'm just like, I'm giving him these short answers and that's not enough. And it wasn't, it wasn't enough and it's not enough to maintain a relationship that you are doing for you know the rest of your life right so he has he has challenged me and pushed me to use my words and to you know talk about how I'm feeling and put it all out on the table and I had to learn to trust him to be able to okay handle everything that I was able to download and he's proven that he can handle it so that's been a building. Um, evolution and it still goes on because there are a lot of times where I'll still go back into that into that mode. What kind of what you were saying about how it used to be when you first started? What are some things similar in that way that like you look back on maybe at the beginning of your relationship that were big deals and that were really hard and now are just not. You don't see them as something, but they are, but they still exist. Oh, I, I can tell you. What? I can tell one. What? Yeah. And it's going to seem, it may seem small to people, but it's actually a really big thing to Tuari. But now she really has gotten to the point of just like, you know what? Gosh, that's just him. I, and I can't, this is just him. And it's going to sound small, but it's, y'all, I lose everything. We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> no, like seriously, like it's. It's a problem. Like, I've lost designer wallets. I've lost credit cards. I mean, I just lose I lose stuff. And the, her big thing is like, oh, my God, why don't you put it in the right place? 
Don't wear those pants. It's going to fall out. Do you need to get a man bag? Like, she is- Tile, everything. Yeah, she is. <laughs> but what, I'm going to tell you, I've noticed this. First of all, Tuary has a, I call it a superpower. This girl remembers everything. I mean, she could most, she could leave this podcast room and she could tell what everybody had on, where every book was situated. She remembers everything. I can call her. I should have been in the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> so she's your biggest helper oh in my finding God. your thing. I can call her and say, hey, where's the such and such? Oh, it's in the bottom drawer in the back. Then I'm like, how do you even know that? Like, and so, but it's gotten to the point now to where now I feel like she doesn't get upset. She just gives me the information. Would, yes, because I would literally, we would have major arguments. I would literally cry with just in so much frustration and anger. Like, can I curse on here? <laughs> you've, already, you've already cursed. Oh, have I? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, that's not It's right. just a part of your daily vernacular. Yeah, yeah. All good. A lot of people don't know that I curse. And I like it. So um, do I. <laughs> So I I would be in so much anger, like WTF, like what what is wrong with you as a person? It it is as a person. As, no, as a human being, like it is driving me insane. It's it's very simple. There's a key rack before you when you open the door, it's right there. So why would you walk past the threshold and then go into the bigger space of our house and then throw your keys somewhere? Or one time we spent, I, I remember this in our first house, we spent four hours trying to find his wallet, which was, he had made the bed and it was in the duvet cover. Oh my goodness. I almost lost it. I mean, I I can go- I don't even remember that. Exactly. He doesn't remember. (laughs) So I had to, I mean, I always had like a, a, a attention to detail that was pretty unique, but then I had to like up my game. So I'm literally taking these mental snapshots of our home when he's here, because I at any given moment I know he's gonna call and be like, "Where's this? Where's that?" So what Not, made it what? a non-issue though? Yeah. Like, did you let go, or did you just do your uh, CIA? <laughs> well. I had to realize that guess who's not changing in this scenario? We've been married twenty. It'll be twenty-one years this year. We've been together twenty-one plus twenty-six together, and then thirty-one knowing each other. Right. So since we were two. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I I was like, okay, he's not going to change no matter how many systems that I think are so easy. Right. You've tried them all. I've tried, them, tried all, them all. And he's not going to change. So what am I going to do? Am I going to throw him out? Or am I going to change my perspective on how I deal with him? And I was like... You mean I'm right here. How I deal with him. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to... Yeah, but oh, how, I, how I deal in this situation. And so how is this information going to be received? Should I just give him the information? Or should I get on his case and then be like, okay, now here's the answer. Right. And really, I think it's like you can look back and realize like this is more misery for me. Very much. Right. Like this is actually if you like look in the big span of 20 years. Right. You're like, oh, this was worse for me than it was for him. And it was his damn wallet. Right. He just says, oh, thank you. And then we move on. (laughs) So you're right, because it is more that than you have to change because he doesn't care. He's fine. Because when hey, I, I feel when like I, we're getting down on Nate a, a no, good no, bit no, here. Cool, yeah. no, I feel he like you know what? It, it was my suggestion <laughs> because I look it at it. I look at it like this: You're better than me with this, and so for me, I'm like, look, I surrender this product. I tell her I'm not good at it, so I'm like, I'm asking the person that's stronger in this area into in the relationship to help me. So when, so me putting down the the flag is coming to her, surrendering like, hey. I hate to say it always. I hate to say, oh my God, I've lost this. Because I already know how it's making her eat up inside. And then she'll say, oh, well, check such and such. And like, oh, thanks. And then we keep, because I don't want to be like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I don't want to keep dwelling on it because what happens is- I was just like a sorry. Well, a sorry? I didn't mean to again. No, but- 
But, but see, I was expecting something that was never going to happen. So now, right now, so you did say something that we need to let go. You did say something earlier about oh, it's in this drawer, right? Yeah. Secretly, I, I guess I know something about the two of you that may seem like a surface level thing, but has helped work in your marriage. Oh yeah, which is that you each have your own closets, yes, and own bathrooms, and own bathrooms. Since I we've been married, that. and what has that? Since tell us why been that's married. been a big deal for you. Well, well, it goes back to our differences. But no, she's going to say, but, but some she's of basically. Us are neat. Some, no. some of us are not. And some uh, of us have order. And some of still, us just are like the cookie monster. Ah. That's so funny. When you see the cookie monster, none of those cookies land in his mouth. Right. It is crumbling. None of the things that you have land where they're supposed to be. But it's so funny. But, but it, it does in his brain. Oh, yes. Because yeah. in my, because honestly, with all of my clothes, I can tell you exactly where they all are unless I leave a coat in a hotel room in New York. <laughs> which she's done. Which I have done. And a to lot. this day, I am angry about this one particular coat. You know what I'm talking about? 2021, his shearling coat. Right. See, look at that. She knows exactly. Left it at the Ace Hotel. Mm-hmm. Ooh! And they go, and they gonna act like, oh, we don't, we don't remember a coat. We don't remember that coat. You saw me in it every day, and you complimented me on it. You're getting off script. Okay, oh, sorry. okay. We're gonna move on so yes. that we can release that anger. Now, but let's all just take a deep breath. From okay. <laughs> uh, but no, we don't share bathrooms and closets. I, I thankfully we've been fortunate to have our first home together was a two bedroom apartment. It had as another bathroom, and when I started moving my stuff in. Which is a funny story because he had really quick. This is funny. He had an apartment, which was around the corner from my apartment. And then once he decided he was going to propose, he upgraded to a two bedroom. Well, then when he proposed, he proposed at Christmas. And then how about you tell them really what happened? Because after I said, I'm going to two bedroom before I proposed her, she's like, you're so stupid. You don't need a two bedroom. Why are you spending this money? I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm very conservative when it comes to spending money. She has no clue. This is for her. She was real happy about that two bedroom, two bathroom. Right. Right. That part, Andre. (laughs) So I did give him shit for doing that. But, you know, then he was like, well, I need a bedroom. I need to set up my studio. So I was like, all right, fine. So then when we get engaged, every couple of days, I would put stuff in the closet, in the big closet where the bedroom was. <laughs> like, and then by the time, and he would go on work trips all the time. Like he would spend weeks in LA or New York or in Sweden. And then one time he finally came home and the whole closet had all my clothes in it. And where was Nate's? In Mine was other. in the other closet. Oh. But I knew, but I was putting but my stuff knew. in. I knew. It was, I already knew. So my stuff was in that closet anyway. So I had stuff in both closets because I was still trying to throw her see. off. And you were you just moving. slowly And she was just out. moving it all out, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, that is... Um, but that's helped us. I mean, we have different processes even in the morning time. So, you know, thankfully, we, again, we still have the Yeah, two. we still have the two, two. And it would you do sleep together though, yeah, right, yes. yeah, same bed, yes. one bed, yeah, two bed, one bed, <laughs> two bathrooms, two got it. Unless got I'm it. watching television and I fall asleep on the couch, and then she gets I get angry. She's just yeah. like, "I don't sleep well if you're not next to me." I'm like, "What? You sound like you were sleeping well to me." <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's go back. I want you to think back. I would love for each of you to answer this question. If you thought back over the last 21 years of marriage, I'd love for each of you to point to one turning point in your marriage and what happened. It changed the trajectory in some way. For me, it was COVID. That's the one that I, I'm still very much affected by, but it was a turning point because at that point in time, I was working in the political space and I was working a lot and I had gotten a promotion three years prior and Nate was traveling and, and speaking like, like always. So that part hadn't really changed, but I had changed where I was so engulfed with work and everything that was going on with the world when COVID hit and everything that I had to carry that I didn't let him in. 
and, and what I was experiencing and my frustrations. And I had started to even compartmentalize him as my partner. And that was unfair. And it was it was something that we had to work through. Yeah. Um, and there was a there was a breaking point where he shared his frustration with me. And I was, because I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, it seemed like. And so I feel like that was a big turning point. Like, wait a minute, I need to get back to who we are as a couple and and why I'm in this partnership and in this marriage with this man and what really gives me life. And he is not someone that I need to compartmentalize. Mm. He is, he's my ace, you know, he's my rock. So if he's feeling that way, then I, it was like a hard look at, wait a minute, what have you been doing? And I didn't think about or take into account what was it like to be on the other side of me. So that would be my answer. Wow, that's a good answer. Your turn, Nate. He was like, oh, mine's not as good. (laughs) All of a sudden, he wants to take it back. Well, (laughs) I always step up to the challenge. Oh, here he (laughs) goes. Even in our even in our What was the line you said? When are you going to leave that? Peanut, corn ball. Yeah, we're going to leave that corn ball. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I, I think for me, it was 2008. It's amazing because I'm, I'm actually, shameless plug, I uh, got an album coming out and I talk about this on the album. So shameless plug, worshiping about. So <laughs> I started talking about these actual stories in this next project that I have coming out. And a lot of people don't know that in 2008, So for the audience, I mean, I've sold all these records. I think at that time it may have been like 35, 40 million records. And the industry had kind of gone into a downturn because of Napster and LimeWire and all of like all the free downloads. All the stealing music. Stealing music. I mean, now, mind you, I didn't mind if we would go to New York and I would see like my bootleg CDs on the blankets. I actually thought it was cool. Like, it's like, okay. But because it's not that too many people that can buy those. But when you're just seeing millions and millions of downloads, it really hurts your your bottom line. And so this had happened, was happening. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to see things kind of go down. But, I'm, you know, we still, we still have this lifestyle. But then a lawsuit had happened to where I was a part of a class action lawsuit where all my royalties were frozen from 2008 to 2014. Like frozen, meaning you had no payout on any no album payout. you had worked. No payout, worked on. And even the albums that I was doing, unless I, when I would get my upfront money, that's cool for producing it. But any back end payments, which is livelihood of any royalties, so I had nothing, and we lost houses, cars, Rolex jewelry, all sorts of stuff, and I remember the day that I had to go and tell Tuary, babe, we're broke and in debt. I remember it like it was yesterday. I think we were, we were in the house sitting down or did I pick you up? Oh, no, we were sitting on the couch. And I told her and I just said, I literally said, I don't know what to do because here's this like all-star writer, producer, multiple platinum plaques on the wall. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. But in that moment, of course, Tori cried. And she was like, okay. I was thinking the worst. And she was just like, nah. You were thinking. Like she was going to be like, man, not saying I'm going to be out, but it was going to be like, I, I thought it was going to be like worse than what it was. And she was just like, nah, we gonna, let, let's figure it out. And that's when I knew, like, man, I got a real one. <laughs> Seriously, because in my mind, immediately I thought about the other women that I had dealt with in the past. And I was like, man, they would have they would have been out. Because it was a couple times me and Tori broke up when we were dating. She had some prospects, some UPS guy. Um, no shade going to see oh UPS. They we went go. to the... But you, were, oh. but you were saying like... <laughs> you hear what she said? <laughs> I did. But you, in your mind, you were thinking, okay, I had dated these other women that were in it because of money. Or in uh, it uh, for... One, 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 definitely, one definitely was. One definitely was. But And maybe, and maybe, I think, and this is, I think, common for men at times where we feel like our responsibility is to provide. Exactly. Or something like that. Exactly. And so that's for me, when she 
when she just, I mean, she just showed, she showed, I mean, I already, I knew who she was, but man, in that moment, it was rebuilding. Now, thankfully, thankfully, I'm not going to get into all the details of what happened because, you know, that's going to be for a later time, but we reinvented ourselves. We learned each other in a new way. And then 2014, all the royalties were released with interest over some odd years. But by that time- You got paid back, basically. Oh, oh, all of it. But by that time, we were different and we had a stronger bond and relationship that had nothing to do with anything else. I'm not saying that I didn't believe that's who she was, but man. But I think I think you're hitting on something that in a in the modern world that we live in. Right. Like Andre and I have a partnership. I've struggled with that same thing at times. I've thought this is my responsibility. Right. But Andre has actually never thought that about me, right. which is an interesting thing and I think that's a it's a tension in this love or work thing where men oftentimes take that for, responsibility. Take that feel that responsibility. They think that's what they're supposed to do even though their partner maybe never ever communicated that to them. True. Is that similar? I I think that's, you articulated that perfectly because one, I remember when Nate and I were dating and he (laughs) wanted to have a certain amount of money in the bank. He wanted to get me a certain ring. And I, I mean, my parents are still married to this day. So like 50 something years or whatever, but I'm not moved by money Mm. at all. That, that was never, I've lived a comfortable life. My parents provided for me, but I'm not moved by that. I didn't expect an engagement ring. I just wanted to get married. So it, it is some of the societal pressures and also what, what men maybe take on as themselves. I know at that moment in time, like Nate was looking like, thinking about, oh, well, how am I going to provide and and add to our, our family but I think what he saw was I'm still the same person mm-hmm. that I was when he first met me. Mm-hmm. I've always had a job. I'm not afraid of working. He mm-hmm. had given me a choice when we first got married if I wanted to you know, stop working and travel with him. And sometimes I regret saying I, I would still, I would have kept working. I would have liked to travel with him more, you know, but I didn't, I, I kept working mm-hmm. and so I just I'm thankful that that he, you know, saw again that that's not why I'm here. We can get through whatever because it's us. But and, I know how that felt for him to to lose. And she life. helped me face literally my worst nightmare. Right, like your biggest fear. My biggest fear now been there done it was to lose everything. Right. Like that was honest. Well, we don't- yeah. So well, I don't even think I don't think about it. like man, like man, I make it, get it back, you know, triple, you know, triple my worth, you know. Like, and since then, he's lost your money thirty times. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but so. It, I think it's really interesting to think about. Like Andre oftentimes brings up on the podcast and in our relationship, like, oh, that's a patriarchal mindset where a man has an expectation of a woman. But I think an an additional patriarchal mindset is that a man has a responsibility that a man thinks themselves, which isn't, it's just not true anymore. Oh, like this, a shadow this yeah. framework is not how we have to think anymore. And yeah. it's refreshing, especially when we have partners that encourage that within us. Yeah, Because sometimes our dads told us, sometimes culture told us, they said this thing that we are feel responsible for. It's in our vows. When you get married, it's in the vows. Like when most, when, when that guy, when you're getting there and he's looking, that preacher's looking at you, are you going to take care of her? You know, it's there. <laughs> you it's know? probably sounding different when he's talking at the time too. Like, yeah. Like as to what is really, as to really said. what's happening. So I will say in 2008, we truly moved into a partnership. Yeah. Wow, that really was a turning point. No, it was. We truly, because at this point, it was just like, literally, I was like, hey, I got all the bills. Whatever you get is yours. You just you take it. You thought of yourself as a provider. Yeah. And then that shift into a partnership. Wow. Yeah, because, but I had to go through that. But it wasn't even on some old, like, yo, I'm paying all the bills. It wasn't even that. I was just like, I'm just, I'm going to do this. And man, whatever you get, man, you, I want you to go to the mall and run it up. You just get what you know. It was not that I would not that she that. would do that, but I think that's where it was until it just came to that point. It's just like, <gasps> do you think that's 
that like losing it all and then still realizing that you and Tuari are good? Do you think that that was what has continued to allow you to take so many risks and be creative and go for things in your relationship still this day? Oh, absolutely. Like you needed that to be able to still be who you are today. Oh, that's such a good question. Absolutely. Because what I realized, it was a risk going into music. It was a risk. And it was a risk that hard work, but it, it paid off, right? And I remember when, I'll just go ahead and tell it, like during that period of time, I actually valeted cars, like way outside of town, though, like where yeah, nobody don't could say, don't say yeah, not there. Yeah, yeah, where, where nobody, you know, nobody could say, Nate, is that you? Oh my God. You know, wow. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, so it allowed me to step into new things. Like during that period of time, I became a casting director. And I'm gonna tell you what happened. And that was a, a great story because. Somebody I had showed kindness to in 2002. They were working on X. They were working on X Factor. They said, "Hey Nate, we would like for you to come on X Factor, become a casting director." And you know what happened with me? I was just like, I was still had that mindset of like not going back to where we were. I was like, man, I'm just gonna keep this job at the valet because it's getting cash every week, and I'm gonna get this other job. So you know me, I was like, I want to keep stacking up. And two A had to look at me. She was like, "Hey, hey, it's okay." Like, let let go. You can let go and pursue your dreams. And pursue again. this. And the next thing you know, the risk <laughs> had no idea right. I was going to be gifted and started casting all these TV shows and movies. Like, what in the world? You know, so. But I think the risk that he, you know, he was able to take in that and rediscovering things by being humbled too, by taking the the valet position was giving him a new insight of, you know what, I there's nothing to fear because I know how it feels to have lost it all. Yep. And I know that she's with me and that we can rebuild it again. And we rebuilt it stronger and better and and more and importantly with with, with ourselves. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know. But it was hard. Oh man, it was hard. But we every year we kept going up. But I'm gonna tell you, 2014, we was eating steak and lobster, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me shift gears a little bit. <laughs> steak and lobster. That's what that's that's, what that's when you made it. Steak that's when you did you know you made it. That is a funny question. When do you know you made it? When you go on that steak, steak and lobster, lobster, you know surf and turf. Surf and here we are. Surf 2014, it came all the way back. All right. So this is the shift. How has community or your people in some way shaped your relationship and strengthened or helped or encouraged you both? Yeah. Okay. This is one of the questions that is very interesting because we talk about community and we provide community. We provide community for other people. Yeah. I feel like we are each other's community. Okay. We don't, we, we have a few people. Yeah, but but it's not like. But it's not. Yeah, we've, we've Tori and I have always kind of felt like, just in general, outside of our relationship, but even in our individual lives, and that we just don't. We just be like on our own island, but it's not like that we tried to to do that at all because we're always going to show up for anyone. We're always going to be the first person there. We're going to be like, okay, what do you need? But when it comes to like people coming around us, like. So it's harder to, for you to receive community people around you to help you. But a lot of our community, they're spread out. So like we have a couple in New Zealand. We have a couple in Nashville. And and who used to be in England. Who used to be in England. So we don't have like a... Like around you every day here. It's kind of like, you know, we're here and our parents are up north. Mm -hmm. You know? So this is something that you guys have talked a lot about. Oh yeah, we yeah, yeah we, we talk, talk we, we talk yeah. a lot about it. But then we also realize what we've given our life over to. We've given our life over to helping 18 to 25 year olds. So our that's our that's has been our life. So we kind of like we can't always just be like y'all. This is what just happened. Like 
into the, like, you know what I mean? I guess that's so the So they're a community too. But I, like, like Naysayer, I mean. But you're being a resource to them. Like, but I think it's interesting. I bet many people listening feel that same way. Yeah. yeah. They not, not in relation, they probably haven't responded in the same way that you have responded. Mm-hmm. Where it sounds like your response, your response has been, if we haven't found our community, we're going to gift it to others. Yes. Is that fair? That's very wise, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you come to that like resolution? I think it goes back to what we said in the beginning of who we are at our core. We are people first. We are people first people. And we just, we just have this core belief that literally we pour out, we will get poured into. Like, we don't, we don't know where it may come from, but we will get poured into. But we are people first, not in a, a point that where we are going to basically sacrifice our own peace. Yeah. Even though we have seen that with some of our mentees, like, we have lost sleep over it. And I was like, wait a minute, it's not even my child. But, <laughs> you know, but we have literally, we are people first. And I think that does fill the, the gap for the love and the things of seeing the enjoyment and things come out of other people's life experiences. And we're like, you know, that's enough for us. And if it's anything that we really need help on, we do have people we can call like, okay, guys, we need some help with this or that. But it's not like we're hanging out 24-7. Yeah, we don't have the proximity, the close proximity. But we do have like, we were on the phone with our friends from New Zealand (laughs) for two hours the other day on FaceTime. It just looks different. Right. So- our community is spread out. Yeah. But we're used to that. Right. You know, even in college, it's I think what is uh interesting to me is that we're mentees, we're mentors to 18 and 25 year olds. When we were in college, it was us. We had a group of us, it was five of us or six of us. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have adult mentors. We were pioneering and figuring it out in real time, you know, all of just life. Right. And I think what Nate and I, when we got together, was like, what we would love to do is so give students and give people in this age bracket something that we didn't have. Because we were able to navigate it with our crew. We were very honest with each other. But it doesn't always work out great when it's a whole bunch of people the same age trying to figure it out in, in a time in your life where it's very, very pivotal. Of yeah. what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yes. When marriage gets hard, what do you do? We talk about it and we pray. Yeah. I. Our thing, <laughs> every time somebody writes, what words of wisdom would you want to give to a new couple? And that we do this still. We do not go to bed. It doesn't work for everybody, but we do not go to bed angry. Yeah. It does not work for us. Yeah. Because I will literally sit on top of Nate's chest and be looking down like, no, we need to talk about this yep. and vice versa. vice versa. He won't. But that's because. Like you literally sat on top. You like, Both. like you I will, sit I will on him. Sit. I will, she will yeah. come. Do you like pry his eyeballs open? Because that's what know. Jeff would need to do to me because I'm so tired. And he would need to just pry <laughs> the eyeballs open to stay awake to keep talking this <laughs> out. Like, like, we literally, like, she's telling the truth. Like, when it gets hard, we talk about it, and then we just, then we pray. That's it. Because yeah. for us, we're like, okay, eventually, we're going to have to talk about it. So do we want to carry this? I can't carry it. And I can't carry it. I feel horrible. Something I appreciate about you two, I mean, obviously, being friends with you, seeing the day-to-day life that you guys do, I think you guys do a really good job of staying, like, in constant communication through the day. <laughs> how did you figure that out? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you how I figured it out. <laughs> Am I right? By the, is that oh, observation right? Okay. It happened when I would just go out of town, be other countries, and just the time zone. She's like, I didn't hear from you in 36 hours. And I was just like, I know, I'm sorry. You know, because it just kind of happens to where time zones, and you're traveling, and this is before you could text on planes and stuff like that so earlier on in our relationship even even when we were friends like when i was working at king's fall and you would call yeah but when we got married and i started traveling it got 
Yeah. It kind of she was like, I don't care if it's if it's 3:36 a.m. You better call me and let you know. And so now we learned that earlier on, but then we also realized this, Jeff. This is important. What? what? Please re- teach him. Please, please teach him <laughs> we your way. that. Hang on. This is. Oh, a, hang on. Oh, Why did oh, this oh, get flipped oh, all of a sudden? <laughs> I am not. I am not in the hot seat. I might be sitting in underneath this light right now, but this is their interview. No, no, so, no. I'm listening, so, Nate. Go oh, ahead. So what we realized was this: was that okay? I didn't want to miss out on her experiences. And I felt it very important that she does not miss out on my experiences because as I was traveling and doing other things, my worldview was expanding. As she was with the congressman and then she was traveling and doing things, her worldview was expanding. And then what happens is if you don't expand together, you will definitely expand apart. Yeah. And so the only way that we literally could bring each other into each other's worlds was to do it purposely. And we just, I was like, hey, what'd you do today? No, I want to know, like, who'd you, who'd you interview? No, who? no. He's like, who did you talk to? I, if I say, I sent emails, what were the emails about? You're like, how did Jeff piss you off today? How did- <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, we, don't, we don't do that. But I think it's funny because, no, I asked her. Because what I've noticed with Tiwari is that there's a lot of gold in her interactions that she'll have throughout the day. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, that was really good. Oh, that was great how you you did that or said that. Oh, Oh, did you look at it this way? You may have been able to say it this way or do it this way. And so what happens is now she's growing in an area. I understand exactly where she is in life at that moment. But then if I'm in another country, I'll send her pictures. I'm like, I remember the first time when I went to uh, Sweden. Sweden, I sent her this picture. I was like, yo, look at this little Mercedes. I mean, it was about, it was really, really small. Like, like small, like a Mini Cooper. And He sent me three pictures. One was a car. One was a cup of cappuccino with the with the cafe art, you know, like the latte art which I hadn't seen before. And then um, one was this fur coat in a window. This was like 2001 or 2000. And so I was like, in my mind, I was like, I'm experiencing something that I was like, if unless you're here, you'll never know the experience and how it's shaping me and how it's turning me, like in the things that I'm seeing. And, And I felt as if that, if she doesn't experience it, at least through my eyes and I'm not, I'm not willing to share that with her so she can grow too. Because I've seen too many people, literally, especially in my business, they just, they're just doing their own thing, they experiencing separate, their own thing. They got their own yeah. separate life. And then when you come home, there's no connection points. Mm-hmm. And if you, and I've realized we're humans, let's find out what we're doing every day and talk to each other about it. Cause you just, forget. well, she don't forget, but like, I will, like, I'll forget. And I just want to make sure that I want to know. And that's basically the reason why we we kind of stay abreast. And sometimes, especially I learned this during the congressman's, like, I would just call her just to check in on, like, hey, how you doing? What's going on up there? Like, are you, are you okay? Can I just, can I come? I'm going to come up there and we're going to go to Starbucks downstairs. And I did that many a times. We, I was just doing the middle of the day. We'd drag out the office. We would sit down, sit downstairs, go grab a piece of pizza, and we'll just talk. I can't do it. Yes, you can. The problems are still going to be there tomorrow. They're going to be there. And matter of fact, more problems are going to be there tomorrow because all the emails. But this is what we're going to do right now. You know? And so I, I just felt that it was important because that I'm, and honestly, there was a little bit of guilt because meaning, like she loves her job, but I really love like, you know, I write songs and produce records and I speak. And, and so it's not, it's and a I different- And I save lives and I get people in the country. No, not that. No. But what I'm saying is the guilt, the guilt was- I thought, hang on. I thought you were going to say, she really likes her work or really loves her work, but I really love her. That was no, going to be like this no, moment. No, but I was going to know. because No, gone. basically yeah. what I was it saying was, is I visibly see- I saw for years the stress and the anxiety and the pain on her. Yeah. For me, 
I was You're everything joy. Everything was a joy. Like I, I the write a song. Oh, it's number one. Yeah, too early. Look at that. She's like, what you do today? Well, it was people they were stuck in such and such and I had to go get them. I mean, it was everything was so weighty. So I always felt like, okay, I need to, I have to check in with her and let her know. And of course, what I has its stresses, like lots of stresses, but it definitely, I definitely didn't have to carry as much as she has. And that's one of the reasons why I'm always going to check in. Like always. And pop up. And, oh, oh, I'm, oh, I'm and popping distract up. the whole I'm, Oh, I'm going to distract everybody. Yeah. But I'm going to come through though. Y'all going to feel that energy. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm a thermostat, baby, not a thermometer. <laughs> and you deliver. You deliver. <laughs> All right. Our last and final question. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Absolutely. Yes, it is. We are doing it. Oh, they just gave each other a high five. They almost kissed right there. That was kind of cute. Like, uh, nonchalantly in the microphone. Yeah, it was I, like I, a... Yeah, I kissed her earlier. You know. <laughs> I got some of that. I got, I got some of that good, good. And now it's time for the breakdown. That was some good stuff right there. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. What stuck with you? Uh, I think one of my favorite quotes that they talk about is that they said we didn't want to miss out on each other's experiences, and that basically, like. We need to expand together or else we will expand apart. Mm. So the idea that they really try to stay connected in their worldviews and things going on in like their lives, day to days, all these things, because they want to continually like grow closer. And even just like the traveling, how he wants to to be there and experience with him parts of that so that they can grow and expand in those ways together, I think is super valuable. Yeah. And it's actually really true for their life. I know they were sharing it sometimes behind the scenes. You're like, I wonder if this is actually true to who they are. The stories they shared are true to their real life people Mm -hmm. that they are. Yeah. I love that. I also love the conversation about like the realization about needing to move from like the provider aspect to the partner aspect. Mm. I loved that conversation a little bit and like that realization in their marriage that so many times we just go into with these unconscious, you know, things that we have in our brain of what we're supposed to be. And then, you know, sometimes, and then marriage and our partnership and our person kind of moves us away from, helps us move away from those things. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, going into every relationship, we have these expectations of ourselves and each other. And it's not always true what we would expect of one another or what we, you know, claim the things that we should do or could do or whatever. But having to take the time together to go, how how does this work for us? Right. I think that's really good. I mean, that I totally related to that story. And I used to think that I was supposed to be the provider. Yeah. You also used to think I should make you breakfast every morning. Like your mom did. Still, <laughs> I still wish. Now here's the deal. <laughs> you can put that in our vows. You can put that in our vows. You breakfast every morning. Do you want to amend Judy, our vows? She's the most wonderful, and I'm glad. I'm glad she did that for you. But when we got married, and you looked at me, and I was like, "Uh, you know where the cereal is. You know where the milk is. I don't even drink milk." Not anymore. You know, when we first got married, you did. Here's a tip <laughs> for any people out there. Here, here's one tip I'll give. I don't like to give a lot of tips really, on the Love Over podcast, really. but one tip I will say: if you want your partner to just be filled with love, <laughs> be filled to the your ears in love, make them breakfast. Oh my god! Just make them breakfast once. Oh my God. You'll be like, the look on their face, they will just be overjoyed. Okay. Jeff. By the generosity. From your mom making you breakfast every day. No, it's transcendent. I mean, this is, this transcends to every relationship. No, you mine, make your friend, you make your best friend, you your partner breakfast and you will feel the love. Mine is you make me coffee the way I like coffee and bring it to me in the morning. And That's I, my filled to the brim. Literally do every day. You do. You do. I'll give you that. But I still don't make you breakfast. <laughs> well, Nate Tuary, thank you so much for 
dropping bombs on us today. Oh, yes. The energy, the fun. It's always, always how it is with them. Well, that's another episode of Love or Work. This episode was recorded by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.